Hi there. This is Karen. I am your host for the Women Inspired Podcast. I'm so glad that you could join me. I appreciate it. And if you wouldn't mind hopping on over to Instagram when you're done listening, you can follow me there. Just search for One Woman Inspired. That's the number one, followed by Woman Inspired. Okay, so today's podcast is titled Small Rocks, Powerful Gemstones. And to kick off this podcast, I will share with you what I call a pod quote. That's just a quote that hopefully inspires you and makes you think a little bit. So today's pod quote is from Ezra Taft Benson. Some of the greatest battles will be fought within the silent chambers of your own soul. Okay, I'll say it again. Some of the greatest battles will be fought within the silent chambers of your own soul. Yeah, that's pretty deep and heavy, but we'll get into it a little bit more. Now, on to the episode. I was driving down the road the other day, and a song by Francesca Battistelli came on the radio. If you don't know who she is, she is a contemporary Christian artist and a fantastic lyricist, as well as having a beautiful voice. So it was one of those moments when I heard just what I think God needed me to hear through her music. You know, he needed to remind me, or I felt he needed to remind me that he's with me, that he's got this. His hand is on the circumstances and I didn't need to worry. So I recently had, um, uh, a podcast that I did called Out of Control Top Panties. Instead of control tops, they were really out of control top panties. It's a funny story and I hope you listen to it if you haven't listened to it already. If you haven't, you can do that after you listen to this one because there really is no particular order to my podcast. Feel free to hop around, see a title you find interesting and then click, click, click and listen and follow and share. Um, but anyway, in the Out of Control Top Panties podcast, part of the point I was making was about trying to control the outcomes of battles that weren't even ours to fight in the first place. And when we do that, how much more out of control we actually feel. Or if we do try to control a situation or battle a battle we're not supposed to, we more than likely will get in God's way by trying to take on that battle that isn't ours to battle. Oh, how easily one can forget a lesson when we think we've heard it or learned it, right? Oh yeah, you know, that whole mindset of, Oh, I know that. I've got it in the bag. Ha. I have heard, though, so many people over the years ask why in the world people read the Bible over and over. And it has to do with this very thing. Oh, they ask, didn't you already study the book of John? Or don't you already know what it says in Psalms? Well, yes and no. I personally cannot memorize the entire Bible. And it's great if you can memorize portions of it or all of it. It's a very rare thing, but we do have verse memorization and there are things that we remember for a reason. And the more we know, the better off we are. However, again, I can't memorize the entire Bible and just think about things that you used to know, but you really don't know anymore, or you used to have memorized, but you don't have memorized anymore. And think of how many things you have to look up, write down, or ask someone else about, even though at one time you actually did know them. On top of that, think of all the things you thought you knew, but a few years down the line, you see them completely differently. Can you think of any? Have you matured at all over the years? Have you learned more? Are you more open to God molding and shaping you now than you used to be? Well, each one of those things is the answer 
to that question of why we need to read and study the Bible over and over. It is alive. It's the living word of God. And never ever can you read it when it won't reach you in some way, whether it's in an instant with a message that you didn't know you needed to hear or maybe in the quiet moments later when your your brain is calmed down and things are um, not as crazy around you. And that meaning of something you read earlier just sneaks up on you right when you need it. So this lesson I needed to remember from the Out of Control Top Panties podcast, that's what resonated with me a couple weeks ago. And yet today I felt devoid of the ability to grasp a hold of that message. Why? Because, oh, how I wanted to control something I couldn't control. I wanted to control a situation that really needs to be controlled, but yet it's out of my control. It needs to be taken care of and dealt with and some butts kicked, if you will. And I want to be the one to do the proverbial or literal (laughs) butt kicking, but I can't. It's technically not my battle. If I stepped in and didn't do something, I would then make it my battle and appropriate the control. I'd probably internalize concern and attempt to make the outcome be what I think it should be instead of letting go and letting God do his thing. Oh, how hard that is to do. But I know letting go is extremely important. And so this song I was listening to today reminded me about these battles. It's a song about David and Goliath called Giant's Fall. Of course, it's about much more than that. It's it's about battling something that is so big that you think you'll never be able to conquer it. David was small in stature and no one thought he was going to be able to conquer a giant. So the lyric of the song that got to me was, and let me interject here and say, I am not going to sing it for you. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> okay, so here's here's what got to me. I'm going to read it to you. Everyone's telling you to let go of what you're holding on to. It's too late, too far. You're too small, it's too hard. Throwing water on that spark, living deep inside your heart, with oceans of reasons, the things you're not seeing. But oh, maybe they don't know what you know. That you're not alone. Don't you be afraid of giants in your way. With God, you know that anything's possible. So step into the fight. He's right there by your side. The stones inside your hand might be too small, but watch the giants fall. Okay, so this song primed me up and reminded me that I can slay the giant. That God will armor me for my battles against the giants. And yes, didn't I just say that the battle I wanted to take on earlier today wasn't mine? Yes, I did. The butt kicking that needs to be executed is not mine to kick. Yes, that's what I said and it's true. But this song reminded me that sometimes the real battle is not the obvious, in your face, seething, making smoke come out of your ears, all fired up over it kind of battle. The battle you're so tempted to battle is often not the battle you're supposed to take on. But yet, there still may indeed be a battle you're supposed to get armored up for. The real battle I'm talking about here is the one within. My battle this very morning, and even right now as I'm recording this podcast, was to battle my desire to go into super Christian mode and right some wrongs, and to get up in someone else's face and control something I'm not supposed to control. So my true battle is oftentimes the battle to just be still. 
to let God have control and for me to just simply pray. That's it. It sounds easy enough, at least when you're speaking it out or writing it down, but it's really not. One of the absolute most difficult battles is the battle within. When I think of the words in this song, don't you be afraid of giants in your way. With God, you know that anything is possible. So step into the fight. He's right there by your side. The stones inside your hand might be too small, but watch the giants fall. My giant, if I had to name it right now, would probably be called Control Freak, not Goliath. It is the giant that gets in the way of me frequently and it gets in the way of me succeeding it is the giant that tries to lead me into a bigger battle that's not usually mine to fight and it distracts me it weighs me down it wears me out it it wears me out to the point I can't think straight I can't make wise decisions I can't sleep I get too weary to hear the voice of God or even sometimes to acknowledge him it is a Goliath-sized enemy for me but like David I have stones I have small bits of armor and weaponry available through God to help me slay the giant. The stones in my hand are small, but important. They're like gemstones. The stones in my hands are prayers. Those small prayers I say throughout the entire day, as I have to take deep breaths to keep going, those prayers for God's help so I don't back up or go sideways or leap too far ahead and get in God's way. These are these little precious gemstones and they are so powerful. The things that God puts at my disposal to cope and fight with are far greater than any frustration or anger I might come up on. That's his promise. These powerful gemstone prayers, if you will, should be the mainstay, go to, never doubt, bring it out for all occasions kind of armor. The power of prayer is, it's tangible, it's audible, it's visual, it's reflective. You can see the effects of prayer all around you if your eyes and your heart are open. Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, it's a well-quoted scripture, and a lot of people actually know that one by heart. They've memorized it. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But prayer isn't the only gemstone we get from God. He also gives us the ability to control something. One highly important thing that we can control even during the most stressful times. When we want to confront, convict, grasp a hold of the things and people we aren't supposed to take control of, then that battle turns within. We have to be ready to battle the control freak, the panicker, the anxiety monster, whatever it's called in your mind. And how do we do that? What kind of gemstone can we get from God to do this besides prayer? And there's a clue to that answer in 1 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay. To expand on that some, I'm going to read that out of the message version. 
I don't do it very often, but sometimes it's very poignant. It's more of a, a breakdown in a contemporary culture viewpoint and of, of the meaning behind this passage. Okay, you're ready? And this is actually for verse 3 through 6. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Okay, I know that's heavy. Look it up sometime. Read it for yourself. Kind of take it in a little bit. This small, powerful gemstone, again, number one is prayer. Gemstone number two is captivity. Captivity of our thoughts. Taking our thoughts captive. When we tear down the negative, disruptive thoughts inside our minds and take them to God, confess them, pour them out, then we give our minds the chance to grasp a hold of the truth, just like the scripture says. Maybe the situation isn't as dire as we think. Uh, Perhaps anger has us thinking unclearly about the issue. Maybe we just can't think objectively, and so God doesn't want our skewed opinion and our over-eagerness to kick butt in the middle of something that we shouldn't be in the middle of. Does it sound uh, anything clear to you? Does it it sound like it, it might be something that you've gotten yourself into? Does it sound like something you need to hear? This doesn't mean you don't care. Actually... If you take caution, step back, and take your thoughts captive and your words captive, it gives you time to figure out how to support someone in the middle of their battle without trying to actually take on their battle. It gives you time to see things through God's eyes and not your own. And that's always, always a good thing. This doesn't mean you're weak, and it definitely doesn't make you a bad Christian just because you didn't step in and act like super Christian, Mrs. Fix-It-All. In fact, I believe you gain strength this way. It takes a much stronger person to have self-control and take your thoughts captive than to charge in like a bull in a china shop trying to take over and control everything. It puts you in alignment with God to have that self-control. It positions you to have the real strength you need when you need it. And it positions you to be in the middle of a blessing when you're supposed to be blessed. But it's a choice. Either be in God on the path he has for you battling your battles with him and remembering that God will always win out in the end. So battle the battle within or don't. It just, it comes down to a choice. What battle is your most difficult? Like me, is your Goliath the the giant within? You know, what is it called? What's its name? Mine is control freak. Um, one of the, (laughs) one of mine is control freak, um, stubbornness. Maybe your giant is called laziness or maybe its name is fear or worry or anxiety, pride, self-importance, insecurity, doubt, cockiness, unrelenting anger, unforgiveness. Any of these giants sound familiar? You know, I recall seeing a video once of a brawl that broke out in a food court in a mall somewhere. It was 
almost comical. I, I did have to laugh at part of it, even though some of it just dismayed me. But it sort of reminded me of one of those older Western movies where one person throws a punch in a bar, and before you know it, another is is pushed by accident, and another is tripped, and punches are being thrown every which way. People are being pushed into tables, and cowboys are losing their hats. Guns are being drawn, and the saloon girls are being carried out, slung over somebody's shoulder, and then their petticoats go up over their heads as they, and then they hop onto the bar to get out of the way. I mean, it's like one of those brawls, you know, and then a huge pitcher of beer is finally used to douse the original hothead who started the brawl in the first place, <laughs> and it simmers things down. I mean, that's a um, an old-time uh, Western movie regular theme in these Western, old Western B movies, you know, that barroom brawl. I can't say that 10 times fast. I can't even say that one time fast, but you got the point. So anyway, it, this scene in this it is a very real video. It wasn't just a scene in a movie. There was this young man in the mall, jeans down below his boxer shorts, and the boxer shorts barely below his crack, um, with a short-waisted, like, ripped t-shirt on and probably tennis shoes that cost more than the monthly payment on my house. And so he was walking through the food court and decided he thought it would be funny, I think, and somehow, and he didn't apparently think it was inappropriate, but he reached out and tugged on a girl's braid as he walked by her. Now, this wasn't five-year-olds on a playground. These were college-aged guys and girls in the mall. The policy is period, right? Everyone knows. Hands off. You don't touch somebody else. There was no room for misinterpretation or misunderstanding here. Um, you just keep your hands to yourself, right? But no, apparently this kid hadn't been taught this very mighty important lesson. But as he walked by and grabbed that long braid, he tripped. Probably over his ratty torn pant legs that were dragged under the edges of his, you know, thousand dollar pair of shoes. But sadly, as he flew to the ground, he still had a grip on this girl's long braid and the girl went flying with him. Oh my gosh, can you imagine the pain of having your hair pulled back and torn like this, especially if you weren't expecting it? Now, I have no doubt that he probably didn't mean to take the braid and the girl with him. He didn't even mean to trip, but it happened nonetheless. From there, the other young ladies around around this girl with the braid, oh, they got hot. They took all their drinks and poured them on this guy. I couldn't see closely enough to know for 100% certain, but I think they were all smoothies because it was quite a sight. Um, or maybe they were milkshakes, I don't know, but probably smoothies. Either way, I have a feeling he wished he had a second layer of clothes on before getting doused. And all I could think of in that moment was, oh, cold smoothies in the butt crack probably are not fun. <laughs> But from there, you could see on the video that all of this yelling started going back and forth. This guy got up, he yelled something, and the girl with the braid yelled back. Other people around them started yelling as if they kind of even knew what for sure what happened. And I don't think half of them even knew because they weren't close enough to see what happened. And then started the whole great smoothie escapade because people started throwing their drinks at each other. And before you could say fruit smoothie... A brawl ensued, but not with the braided girl or the baggy pants boy. No, they were, they looked shocked and they kept stepping back and stepping back and stepping back. And at one point, a few minutes into the video, there they were 
the braided haired girl and the baggy pants boy sitting together on top of a table in the food court, sipping a smoothie, watching half the food court fight a battle that wasn't even theirs to fight in the first place. Now, isn't this what we're taught to do? Jump in immediately. Defend what we might not even know we're defending. Jump to a conclusion without knowing all the facts. I mean, how many of these people brawling in the food court even knew what they were brawling about? Because a boy grabbed a braid, and likely without malice, just this desire to be what he probably considered playful and flirty, and touch someone's hair. And he tripped, taking her with him. She was shocked, but she wasn't battling him. Within five minutes, she was enjoying a smoothie with him. So I guess the flirting worked, but in the process, it created a huge battle. I'd say her original reaction was pretty appropriate, that she yelled something at him, but it was her battle. They had words, and then they were okay. They were okay, but the people who chose not to control themselves were not okay. They didn't pause to decide if they should make a choice to discern what their battle was that day. If they even had one, they they didn't even have a stake in this battle. The let's do battle, do or die, gotta find some soapbox to stand on even if we don't know what that soapbox stands for is fully ingrained in our culture now. The need to label everyone a victim and then jump in to play the hero for those victims is too real. But it's not godly. It's not Christ-like. It doesn't come from a place of love. It comes from a place of wanting attention. So again, I ask you though, what is your battle within? Are you too eager to jump in and brawl in someone else's battle? Is that your battle? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to lay at Christ's feet so that you can fight the monster, the giant, the Goliath, whatever it is, it is in your life. Are you sitting atop a table looking down at all the other crazed, self-labeled do-gooders, battle-ready hotheads who think everything is a fight? Or are you now or soon ready to do the battle within to slay the giant that tells you to go this way or that way when God is clearly telling you to go that way or this way? Okay, so I'm going to give you another quote. The hardest battle you will ever have to fight is between who you are now and who you want to be. That's an, uh, I don't know who wrote that. It's anonymous. The hardest battle you will ever have to fight is between who you are now and who you want to be. So I want to encourage you to work hard to be the person that you want to be, to follow God's leading to follow his word, to do the work it takes to do the battle within when the world tells you to be someone that you're not, when the world tries to take you away from the path that God has you on. So again, remember that even though they may seem small, prayers are powerful. Even though the armor that God gives you or the things he gives you to battle that battle within might seem small and they're just small rocks, they're still powerful gemstones. And I would say, so are you. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today on the woman inspired podcast. I appreciate it. If you'd share this podcast until next time, have a blessed week.